Disclaimer, the following content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network, or any such third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments. Hey, Graham, what's that Xbox-looking thing over there in the corner? Dave, that's my new coin mine. A coin mine? What the hell is that? It's a crypto miner, bro. It's the first plug-and-play crypto mining device. All you gotta do is plug it in, download the app on your phone, and you start mining Bitcoin. Wild. It says here on the box you can mine Dash. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but it does mine Bitcoin. And it's also a Bitcoin Lightning node, so I can send and receive Bitcoin to anyone anywhere in the world for free. Wait, cryptocurrency mining can be kind of expensive. How much electricity does it use? Well, the coin mine actually uses less power than a PlayStation. You know, Graham, now that you mention it, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You can head over to coinmine.com slash bitmag to get $50 off your very own coin mine, Dave. I'll post a link in the show notes for you. You know what else is pretty cool about that coin mine is the zero transaction fees. Yeah, man. Zero. How cool is that? Yeah, it's awesome. I hate transaction fees. Me too. Another cool thing is the operating system actually updates over the air like a Tesla. So you don't have to spend any time keeping up the software or adding new cryptocurrencies when they launch. It just does it automatically. Well, yeah. So it sounds like it really is just plug in and go. It's also pretty sleek and quiet. Yeah, man. And you have the option between black and white. So go check it out today and grab one or maybe two for yourself. So Graham, how many coin mines would it take you to stop working? (laughs) Well... Dave, I don't need a coin mine to not work, you know that. But I need to do some further calculations before I give you a solid answer. Interesting that you say that because I'm on the website right now and they have this nifty calculator that helps you project your profits for mining. Ooh, okay, well I'm going to go check it out. Get yours today by visiting coinmine.com bitmag for $50 off. Again, that's coinmine.com bitmag. There's an argument to be made that mining is the most important function any Bitcoin advocate can perform, as it's critical to the decentralization of the network. That's a point that Samson Mao of Blockstream drove home in describing the company's new mining services. Blockstream mining includes a mining hosting service and mining pool with the long-term goal of getting more people to participate in Bitcoin mining, as well as driving revenue for Blockstream. It hopes to offer the service to retail investors by next year. While mining and running full nodes ensures that Bitcoin remains decentralized, China has been working on its own digital currency that will be anything but. This week, details emerged around a forthcoming token that will be run by the People's Bank of China. It's now reported that the currency will consist of two layers. The first layer will be run by the Chinese Central Bank, while a second layer will be run by business institutions. With this model, the country hopes to retain tight control of the currency while giving it an opportunity to scale and find significant adoption. As China is working to create a government-controlled digital currency, New Zealand is working to integrate true cryptocurrencies into its government operations. The country published a new ruling that integrates crypto assets as taxable forms of payment. This means that legally, businesses in New Zealand can pay their employees in Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies that meet certain criteria. Finally, in what has been a big week for government attitudes around cryptocurrency, Bitcoin Magazine's Colin Harper published a cover story exploring the ongoing battle between cryptocurrency service providers and banks in Israel. 
Speaking with the founder of Israeli exchanges Bits of Gold, which won a court case over its right to receive banking services, Harper illustrated that the rest of the country's crypto businesses haven't been so lucky. In their defense, the Israeli Bitcoin Association plans to fight what it sees as a fundamental injustice in the country's courts and hopefully gain the banking services that cryptocurrency businesses need to stay alive. In today's interview, we spoke with Dennett Lewis about what it was like to sell coffee for crypto at our Bitcoin 2019 conference back in June. Hey, Dennett. Hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. This is Dave you're talking to, and I'm here with Billy Sly. What's up, everybody? Happy to be here. Hey, Billy and Dave. So, Dennett, you were at the Bitcoin 2019 conference uh, selling coffee. Yes, I was. So, you were accepting cryptocurrency for coffee. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Okay, so can you tell us about how you came to be selling coffee at the Bitcoin 2019 conference? Um, yeah, I, so I have a mobile cafe and I go to different events and set up and majority of time I'm using uh, traditional payment methods, a mix of cash and uh, credit cards. But this particular uh, venue, there were some, some um, well, there were requests that I accept Bitcoin. And I have been at some crypto conferences in the past as an attendee. This is my first time at, at, at the conference as a vendor at a crypto conference. So I thought it would be kind of fun. So I set up a, a POS system to, to take uh, cryptos primarily Bitcoin and the couple, a couple others. Wait, wait. And so what was the, uh, what was the, the system, this POS system? I played around with numerous systems. I looked at, um, a handful of them, BitPay and a number of ones. And I guess I, I just got the Coinbase one working. So I kind of went with it and I normally in a non-crypto world, I do use square payments. So I researched it and actually square, you can't, you can track, they have a, feature where you can track crypto payments or basically you can charge on square and put other, but they don't actually have a, a mechanism to make the, to accept the payment. So that's where I was looking for something that would work. And I set up a Coinbase merchant system first, but that, um, I thought I was all set. And then I got there and was set up and ready to take some payments. And the first five or six customers all had the same question when I got there. And that's, do you take lightning? Yeah. I remember that. What, what, did, what was your answer? Uh, well, the first few times I said no. And then by the time I got the third request, I'm like, well, I guess I need to figure this out. So I started asking, well, how do I do it? Can you help me? And then I uh, set up some lightning wallets and started uh, taking lightning. Was that process difficult at all since you were doing it at the conference? Well, the challenge was I had a line at that point. So I did have customers in line. So I kind of had to... I had to be working on fulfilling orders as well as trying to download and set up a new system. So how did Lightning go compared to uh, accepting regular crypt cryptocurrency or regular Bitcoin, I should just say? Well, I learned a lot. It was a good learning experience for me. The most awesome thing was a lot of the customers were pretty excited to be paying. The crypto crowd's awesome. They're super supportive. They're patient. And they were just, for the most part, people were just really excited and happy that I was taking cryptos. And they, were, they wanted to make a transaction and they were having fun with it. 
So luckily, the uh, customers were really supportive, helpful, and patient. Lightning was a mix. I would say the first day, we had a few bugs in it. It was not seamless. Um, when the payments went, they went th through quick, and it was great. It worked really well. I see the potential. But then there was a, a few people that would try to make a payment, and it, they didn't have the right channels open. I guess there were a number of different issues that would occur and they would cause the payments wouldn't get, would not go through. I had a couple customers, one guy in particular, he was really determined and he would like stayed around on the side and was playing with it for like 20 minutes and eventually did get his payment to go through. I think he said he didn't have enough money in to make the transaction occur. A couple of times people would set it up and they did not have uh, lightning channels. Yeah. And I guess takes time to establish. Did uh, Lightning cut down on the transaction fee at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was, that is one of the major hurdles with accepting cryptos. Some people did pay on-chain with Bitcoin, but the on-chain uh, transactions were quite expensive relative to a cup of coffee. I mean, you're, yeah. Whereas Lightning, they're super quick and cheap when it works right. Did anyone like get really upset for getting rid of their Bitcoin or did anyone try the process and get frustrated? Most of this crowd enjoyed the challenge and they just kind of go to the side and play with it and try to get their payments to go through. Roughly 20% of the customers in that said they absolutely did not want to spend their Bitcoin. They were hodlers and would be happy to get rid of fiat, but did not want to get rid of crypto, especially during the time of the conference was that, a really good couple of days for Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of strange. A lot of people are obviously hodling. They want to hold on to their crypto. But then the other side of that is that, you know, if you are really thinking of it as depending on how you see uh, crypto, different cryptocurrencies, it's like you want to at least test it as a payment method. So, you know, and to really be believe in a currency, you do kind of have to uh, spend it. But I know not everybody sees cryptocurrency as currencies. Right. So, I mean, as a merchant, it was really fun to be there and people did want to spend it. And for most of the customers were, a lot of them were just interested in trying it and seeing how it works. And a lot of, a number of people would pull out their phones and video it or take pictures. And like, we just made our first lightning purchase and on the second day, it seemed to work even better. So I think our transactions were quicker. We had considerably less problems on day two, and it, it ran smooth. I mean, there, the potential for a merchant to run a crypto, a lightning system, I could absolutely see it. It's fast, it's cheap, and it works really well. There are um, some some gaps in the technology that... I could see too, or some flaws that it's still early on. So one of the uh, big challenges is the, from a vendor standpoint is how do I price things? Crypto's going up. So do I price them in dollars or should I put my price? If my prices were in Satoshi's, well then by day two, the prices had changed quite a bit and I would have had to, I would have been selling really expensive coffee. And yeah. then on the wallets, um, I, I, after a few customers, different customers would be using different wallets. And so I ended up downloading a few different wallets and was taking payments on multiple systems. But I noticed the exchange rates are not consistent among different uh, wallets and platforms. Uh -huh. 
so that was sort of an issue and there was one um wallet of satoshi or blue i can't remember one of the two i was using and it had a, a big gap between what what i i'd set the exchange rate so it looks like a four dollar cup of coffee and then when you send it to the customer the amount might be three dollars so if I did it the opposite way, well, it looks like I'm billing them $5 for, for a coffee I listed at $4. So there were some challenges trying to get consistency in the prices. And then if you use the other wallet, it shows a different number of Satoshis should be billed. So kind of getting, figuring out the right amount to bill did take, that was a challenge from a merchant or from my standpoint. As a vendor, is there any uh, wallet you preferred to use? Primarily I used... Uh, a mix of blue wallet and wallet of Satoshi. I okay. can't say I preferred one to the other. I mean, I'm used to using Square. That something I use a lot on my normal business transactions. So there's some advantages to Square. Um, the payments, uh, the tracking, and rec the tracking, and at the end of the day, going into Square and seeing how you did what how many of each drinks you sold is really easy. Whereas when I had multiple wallets going, none of them really offered that kind of tracking and at least not that I knew. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the accounting is uh, took quite a while for me to try to figure out what the accounting was at the end of the day when I had multiple systems running. Yeah. It seems like a lot of merchants in general are used to using square <clears throat> Jack Dorsey, but uh, I mean, that's a, yeah, that's a really interesting point. If, yeah, and each, uh, each wallet that I was playing with kind of had some advantages. The uh, Coinbase merchant system, I actually like that you can put pictures in and set it up a little, a little bit like Square, but then the fees were high. So what we did is we put um, the lowest confirmation setting for on-chain transactions. You said this was your first conference as a merchant, but you have attended crypto conferences in the past? Right. What, why were you attending those out of just interest for crypto in general? Yeah, personal interest. And, and from your, your interest in, in traveling those conferences, are, are you, you know, you're obviously a merchant. So are you looking at it as in like one of these is, is better than the other or as in they all give me business and, and that's mainly what I care about. So for instance, our, our conference was, was all Bitcoin. It was Bitcoin focused. You know, have, have you yourself, do you have a personal preference? Uh, you know, have, is there a community you've really taken to? Um, I mean, I like the crypto crowd. Um, the Bitcoin people are awesome. I did have one guy that came up and paid in Litecoin. And I had, a, yeah, a couple people paid in different ones. I think I had Ethereum, a Bitcoin Cash, and then um, I forget a stable coin that Coinbase has. So I did have a couple of different uh, cryptos that I accepted. I kind of like uh, Litecoin from a merchant standpoint because it, it's fast and the fees are low. Lightning shows that Bitcoin can certainly have that. Was there any uh, cryptocurrency that gave you uh, more trouble than others? And Ethereum gave me trouble. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know why, but it, Ethereum was really slow. I think one of the payments didn't even go through. Well, I guess you should, you should take that up with, uh, with uh, so whoever's king of Ethereum. You went to these conferences and, and you saw this, all this crypto stuff as an opportunity for, for business. Is, is that kind of correct? Or, well, or something I'm keeping my eye out on is 
from a personal interest, but also from a business, what I, I have fun experimenting and kind of trying to be at the front of things. So what, uh, what's the upcoming trends and how can we be geared up ahead of things for it? Totally. So are you able to like one, when you're, you know, go to a conference, you accept a bunch of different cryptos. Are you storing up bags and you don't have, obviously this is personal or, or are you converting directly back to USD? Well, that's kind of a, I was not converting directly back to USD. So you're a hodler. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> that would be. <laughs> cool, cool. One kind of cool thing is I did have, I was at another event that I do a, a weekly market. I think it was just last uh, last week. And I did have, a, I, I still have a Bitcoin uh, sticker on my on my cafe, I did have someone come up in Bay actually with lightning. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Uh, it sounds like lightning uh, is definitely going to be the way to go with merchants, at least when transacting with Bitcoin. So, I mean, I see lightning. Uh, yeah. Uh, from what I've used, it, it is definitely the way to go because the on-chain is a little slower and more expensive. Although I did have on-chain payments, so we did accept them. And it actually, I mean, it, with Coinbase Merchants system or, or a, a comparable wallet, they actually go through, the processing part goes through pretty quick. And from a merchant standpoint, it, it is very usable. So it sounds like that, that just kind of where things are right now, there's not a perfect product for you as a merchant to accept crypto. I would say there are some gaps. So the gaps that I am, uh, and the other, I mean, there's a few gaps and also a learning or training. So on one of the, one of the things too, is how do we take tips when we're going with cryptos on a cafe kind of business? Yeah. We did figure out one of the wallets had an app, had a, an address or a, a, a barcode scan you could put up for tips. So there were some things, but I didn't realize that till later on. But some of the things, I mean, I need to be familiar with it. I need to know the ins and outs of the features. Yeah, like, can you take tips? What if you want to give a discount? Or what if you want, if someone wants an add-on? Kind of have to learn how to do those. Um, tracking is something from a merchant standpoint that's really nice to have. Where at the end of the day, you can know how many sales you made, what, how much um, of each drink we were selling, for example. So that was... Uh, a manual process part of it was me using multiple platforms yeah but also i didn't i didn't see a really good accounting uh, application on any of these tools and the other was uh, the real problem too was getting consistency in what um, exchange rate to use in yeah. terms of exchanging u.s dollars for uh, bitcoin or i guess lightning so Dennett, uh we haven't even asked you about coffee well, I'm more than happy to talk about coffee. <laughs> what's what's your your story with coffee when you you got into it? Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, my dad's a retired uh, coffee farmer, so he he had a coffee farm in Hawaii when I was a kid growing up. So a yeah, Kona farm. So he uh, sends me some premium beans. Thought I'd have nothing ever to do with coffee, and went up down the tech road. Got a a regular. Uh, degree and job and then years later with the twist of life I wound up in the coffee industry my dad did kind of gave me some coffee to get me started <laughs> and then I 
started off the first year or two going through the CrossFit and the fitness crowd because I have friends there and kind of in, in the community and then the business sort of grew from there. Did, so did you grow up on a coffee farm in Hawaii? Yeah, I did in South Kona on the big island of Hawaii. Wow. And you moved? Oh, yeah. Why? Oh, it's way too much work. Being a coffee farmer? Oh, it's a lot of work. Absolutely. What about Hawaii? Oh, Hawaii is nice. But I mean, when you grow up there, you kind of want to experience something else. So you had, you got your, you, you got out and you started experimenting, trying to be on the front of things. You, uh, and your dad was still operating the coffee business at the time? No, he's retired, but he's um, still in touch with the pickers and is able to get me beans when I need them. Yeah. Uh, you're also like in San Francisco. So we kept on having this like reoccurring conversation when we were there as uh, there are a lot of crazy bands uh, that the, the city of San Francisco keeps passing. And as tourists, you know, we can't really speak as well as you, you can about it. But uh, uh, what do you think of some of them? Well, there's a lot of regulations for, oh, this was really funny. So uh, one of the bands or one of the, uh, the health department has certain requirements in San Francisco. For example, as a vendor, we need to use paper straws. Yeah, we're not supposed to use plastic straws. It's a well-intended rule. But this was so funny. You know, uh, Max Kaiser, uh, uh -huh. the Kaiser Report. So he came up and I gave him a cup of coffee and I put a paper straw in it. Told him, sorry, that's what we have for San Francisco. It, it dissolves after, before you finish your drink. And Max, like, just uh, so quickly goes, oh, it's just like, just like the money. Just like fiat currency, it's paper and it's going to dissolve. That's a good. That's a that was a pretty good Max Kaiser impression. I got to give it to you. I think yeah, I, thought, uh, I thought that was pretty quick witted to uh, connect the dots there. But yeah, we have there's lots of different environmental policies and regula regulatory uh, issues that we have. So it's really just learning what the health department works wants. But yeah, it's a uh, fully compostable um, cups having. Uh, straw only paper straws etc yeah i think uh max oh we also can't sell a bottled water in san francisco <laughs> i could i'm, I'm fine with that it doesn't bother me at all how do these bans and regulations affect beans and barbells or coffee business well i mean i just have to learn what they want and make sure i'm compliant with the health department and the rules the um the tax code is very confusing and complex. I'll give them that. For example, if someone orders a drink to go, that's generally coffee to go is not taxable, but if it's for there, then it is taxable. So, and there's a lot of, a lot of different rules that take a while to try to figure out. What, what's more difficult, um, accepting different types of cryptocurrencies and trying to manage that uh, from an accounting standpoint or just San Francisco taxing? Oh, the taxing is way more complex. There are some accounting principles that probably have to be solved before a merchant could be really serious with cryptos. Right. The exchange rate, what rate to use and what time to use it. So I, I don't know. I mean, at the, do I need to track each cup of coffee that I sold throughout the day and what the exchange rate was at the time of the sale? Or can yeah. I just use the, the rate at the end of the day and do everything based on one exchange rate? So there's lots of kind of crypto to fiat accounting 
that I don't know. And again, like I said, the exchange between one wallet wasn't the same on the other. So I could see accounting slash tax it, taxing. There's a lot of little refinements that will have to be defined. Yeah, this is this is like a kind of a different kind of view um, for a lot of people who are pretty into crypto. But I'd like to see some kind of like wallet or bank account that could hold both, you know. And I, I think Cash App might already do that, but an actual account. I mean, my um, my goal was not to immediately sell the crypto and put it back into fiat as quickly as possible. I thought it would be more interesting to actually hold it, hodl it, hodl some of some of the crypto, like you said. By doing that for accounting, yeah, like I don't really know. Do I use the end of the day uh, exchange rate? And what do you do when? when you're running three or four different wallets and each one has a slightly different exchange rate going at every minute. So it's pretty complicated right now. It, it is, it is. And I, I think those are some issues that really need to get solved though. Like yeah. having um, wh where you're pulling the exchange rates and how you're, how can you handle it for, from the accounting standpoint? So did it, it plans moving forward for you to get more involved with crypto, to be at more conference, crypto conferences, anything like that? Yeah, I'm uh, kind of exploring that. We definitely were flirting with the idea. It'd be a lot of fun to make a crypto cafe. So mm -hmm. if anyone has a, anyone in the crypto crowd would be interested in helping us get started with a, a crypto based uh, brick and mortar, let me know. That would be uh, something I'd love to do be really cool to make it sort of a hub and a test bed of a, a place where people could test out different wallets and payments from both uh, both sides get some merchant uh, feedback i think there is a need for that and i'd love to be part of it or love to set it up otherwise um i look forward to going to more crypto uh, and bitcoin conferences as a vendor in the future i i think it's really cool to see a vendor coming and actually trying to do this experimenting. It's, it's kind of the only way you really get to look at, at the actual payment side of, of it is. And, and I have a different perspective. Like I don't know how many people making the wallets or realize that like having a sales summary at the end of the day would, would be really useful. Having a, a little track tracking just for what the merchant needs is something that would be helpful for, for a merchant at the end of the day. Of course, having the fast, seamless, cheap transactions great too. Absolutely, all everything you're saying is is great to hear. Our, you know, what we're trying to do is is to identify those areas that are holding people up, and and so it sounds like you you're definitely you know being held up to a degree by by advances by user interface and and just the the offerings that these different wallets have. Then uh, I've got one last little thing I'm very curious about. And that is the, the price of coffee just across like the U.S. And really, and I think most everywhere I've, I've traveled, but uh, at any place that's not like a, a waffle house, let's take your Starbucks or at, at uh, Beans and Barbells or, you know, anywhere like that, your starting cup of Joe's, four bucks at the, at the least. Am I right? Yes. Well, Why I mean, there are, so there, expensive? there are some that are less. Um, there's a lot that goes into the coffee behind the scenes that people don't realize from farmer 
basically what we're, we're trying to get the farmers paid better. So you were looking at quality throughout the supply chain. How do you work with high-end farms where they're paying their farmers well? What kind of certifications are needed? And then also um, once you get your green coffee, you want to roast it and take a more of a craft approach as opposed to a, a large uh, batch approach. So that uh -huh. gets more expensive when you're doing things at the craft level in smaller batches. And then also through the baristas and serving a product. So, I mean, it's um, uh, from my side, it, it takes a lot of time to get up to these events to be set up and to be get, delivering the coffee. And also you have a time of dialing things in, trying to really highlight what the coffee has to offer. So it's um, what we can call third wave or maybe even borderline fourth wave. It's, trying to, to get a better experience for the customer instead of a, a batch, a large um, batch brewing system. Absolutely. It's paying more attention to, to the steps throughout the process. I, I, we all love coffee. We were all drinking coffee this morning. Everyone drinks coffee all the time. I, I think it's one of those uh, great natural things in the world that, that helps a lot of us you know, make it through the day. Um, that's very interesting specifically to hear about all making sure that people are you're buying from people who are being paid well and 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 things like that because there's obviously people have identified crypto being uh you know the tool that we can we can enable um someone living in a country that doesn't have a stable yeah well uh, certainly uh, could hold some value for people and i mean coffee is a global commodity and it comes from different different uh, regions of the world certainly africa south Central and South America are a big coffee growing regions that could become big uh, crypto communities in the future. Those are all the questions we have, Dennett, but uh, it's nice to have you on the show and hear from a frontiersman in coffee and crypto. Well, thank you very much. It's been, uh, it was my honor and it was really fun to be there and the crypto crowd couldn't have been more, more supportive and it was really good experience from my side. Thanks, man. All right. Take care. All right, Dennett. Nice talking to you. You too. Bye. Bye. The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is a BTC media produced podcast on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. Theme music provided by Billy Sly from the Crypto Cantina. Special thanks to Dennett Lewis for hopping on a call with us to talk about selling coffee for crypto. Visit BitcoinMagazine.com for more in-depth news, analysis, and resources about the most successful peer-to-peer -peer currency. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin Magazine. Find and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. And give us that five-star review. It helps us find new listeners and it helps improve the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>